Hi, and welcome to episode number 51 of Basha's Thoughts. This episode is about judgment and its role in our lives and what it leads to. And it has to do with positive judgment and negative judgment. And it has to do with violence. So, the way we have been taught to interact in our society is to a large degree based around judgment. We decide what is good and bad. We judge who a person is. Is this a person worth listening to or not? Where were they educated? What is their background? So we make judgments all the time. We use them as compliments. We use them to make people do things in different ways. We try to manipulate people into doing things. We try to force people into doing things. We try to guilt people into doing things. And a lot of those strategies are actually based around judgment. So let's take a look. Compliments. This sounds like this should be something very positive. How do you compliment someone? How do you thank someone? Very often, we will find that based on our way in which we have been taught, so this is not something that always has to be this way, only that it happens to be so in our types of societies. Very often, we will give someone a compliment saying, Ah, you're great, which is a very general word. And it's based around judgment. I judge you as great. Or, this is terrific. You're so smart. You're so good. You're a great writer. You're such a good mom. You're an awesome worker or collaborator or whatever it is. Notice that in this way of thinking, I am the one who's making the judgment. So I am the one who has the power to decide what is good and bad. And if something is good, then there is something that is bad as well. And I can tell you what it is because I can tell you what is good. And this is a pretty violent way if you think about it. Why? Why is this negative? Well, because when you give someone a compliment that way, when you say, you're so good, you're so smart, the intent behind it might actually be you wanting the person to feel better, to perhaps have more confidence. And yet what you're perpetuating is this picture of a world of judgment where I have the right to decide what is good and bad, and you should follow it. This is very common in this society that we've talked about, which is our society right now. It's a pyramid type of structure of power, which we have had for a long time. And if you're in a society like that, and you're at the top, and you're wanting the society to work, well then, this is how you propagate information. It's based on judgment, and it is based on violence. 
And so the person who, let's say, believes you and starts to think, well, hey, I am good. Is this something that will help them? Believing that you are good is ultimately pretty much as detrimental as believing that you are bad. Neither one has anything to do with the truth. Neither one has to do with who you truly are, your creativity, your essence, that which is valuable to you. And you're becoming more and more dependent because now your confidence is dependent on that feedback that comes from the person who judges, the people who judge. So now you have made that person even more dependent on you for their happiness instead of giving them the power, giving them the opportunity to become who they truly are, to find their unique essence, their creativity, and express that in an alive way, with an open heart, able to communicate. Now they will be looking outwards, trying to conform, so that they will be provided with this praise, someone judging them as good. Indeed, basically any kind of incentive, any kind of reward or payment is doomed to take away our joy. I'm reminded of studies on children where children were given something to draw a picture. There were different groups of children and one group was given, I'm not sure if it was some kind of a candy, so every time they would draw a picture they would be paid or rewarded or complimented by being given a candy. And there was another group that was also provided with pieces of paper and different colors so that they could draw. But in that group, they could draw freely and they could draw as much or as little as they wanted. And there was no reward. Also, there was no punishment. And what ended up happening? The children who were rewarded for their drawings were producing drawings indeed. But after a while, in the future, whenever they were presented with the opportunity to draw, they would ask, what do I get out of it? And they said, well, the pleasure of drawing well, then they said, no way. Why should I have to draw a picture for you or for whoever and not get anything out of it? Whereas the other group who had been drawing freely were happy to draw because they were able to find the pleasure. They were able to find the creativity, the expression in drawing just because they were drawing. They found the aliveness in it. That had not been taken away by reward or compliment. And it's actually interesting because someone told me that she has two dogs, one of which was particularly trained to be a service dog. And so the dog knows how to do a lot of different things. 
dog training is either done by reward or punishment or both. And so this dog will bring her clothes, but she doesn't particularly enjoy that. She does it because she has to. And then there is this other dog she has that is not really a trained service dog. It's a dog that came a little bit later and learned by watching. And that dog actually enjoys to give her things, enjoys to bring her clothing. So it seems to be across species. You can do something because you have to, or because in the end it will give you something that you're kind of looking forward to. Or you can do it because you enjoy doing it. Isn't that much more interesting? Living an inspired life where you feel alive and like you're enjoying what you're doing in every moment instead of living for a future, for a particular moment. Living so that in the future you will be happy. Instead, you're creatively living now and doing that which brings you happiness. And if you were to interact with someone, wouldn't you want to interact with a person who is inspired to do what they're doing instead of a person who has to? And the inspirational part about this is that naturally, we are actually these giving creative creatures who are super interested, who are in awe, who want to give to others, and who find pleasure in what they are doing and learning. But then, through our schooling, in a sense, you could say, through the way our society works, it is taken away bit by bit. We are taught a different way of being and living. But that is not who we naturally are. And so perhaps there's a way of getting back to our actual nature. Perhaps this inspired way of being is more aligned with who we truly are. Sometimes we hear about history and we listen to people telling us, well, just look at the human being in the past, throughout the ages, throughout history. This will show you who we are, who a human being is. And there may be a lot of cruelty and wars in our past. And so we might say that, well, this is just the human being. You cannot change the human, but perhaps we can. We are the creature that takes a long, long time to learn to be as we are. We have a very long infancy and we need to learn much more than perhaps any other species. And so perhaps it takes so long 
for us to become this other type of human, this type of human who competes with others, this type of human who creates wars, this type of human who lives based on judgment, creates hierarchies of power, and perhaps becoming the type of human who instead focuses on participation, where we all participate so that we can all find a solution in which we all rejoice, a solution that makes everyone excited instead of a solution that helps one but makes life difficult for another. And we know that in our current world, current global civilization, where we are so interdependent upon each other, and where the world is getting smaller and smaller, and the risks of us actually extinguishing ourselves are getting greater and greater exponentially. Well, in a world like that, if we want to find a solution, and these risks are all interdependent upon each other, we cannot use the strategy of someone losing and someone winning. This was possible in tiny groups, but right now we need other ways of interacting, other ways if we wish to solve something, because if everything depends on everything, and you apply the strategy of only focusing on solving one particular part, and it's a strategy that will automatically sink something else, well, then we are in trouble. We need to have a different way of solving problems. In another episode, I talked about optimization and ways of finding solutions beyond optimization, because optimization will always ultimately lead to absurdity and take us away from truth. And so this is what we need to replace, this idea of optimizing for one particular part. But how do we do it? I think that we have it in us. I think that it is our inner nature. I think that we have just taught ourselves to become very different, to lose our creativity, our joy, and our ability to actually win, where everyone wins together, where everyone participates. It's even deeper than collaboration. It is participation. And perhaps this is the butterfly that can emerge from the cocoon that we are in right now. I have talked a couple of times in some episodes about the butterfly, the butterfly intuition and such. And I believe it is true that inside of us, we have that. We actually have the solution. And it is our inner nature by 
learning to follow it, I believe that we can solve the problems of our world. It is a way through the heart. It is a way where you live through the heart. You focus on that, not on the abstract, not on judgment. Indeed, you use your mind and you use it in a way where it brings you to a point where you resonate. You resonate with your heart and you resonate with your mind and that's how you find the thing you have in common. That's how you find what you care about. That is the first step in any communication. So instead of going towards judgment, we move towards what it is that unites us. And from there, we continue adding creatively together. And this way, we can all start building something that will work in all areas. So the idea of judgment and moving away from judgment is a key one. We talked about how compliments can actually be unproductive in this manner, can take away our joy and independence, freedom. Of course, it might be easier to see how negative judgment may do the same. And it may be interesting to note in which ways we often use it. We use it even for our children. You might have heard that some parents use a type of guilt. Well, mommy will be really sad if you don't eat your soup. This is a type of manipulation. We use guilt, we use shame, and we try to manipulate people into doing things. Actually, if you do this with children at a particular time in their development, you will develop a very particular type of structure and they will be very guilt-ridden. They will have difficulty to say no when they grow up. And this will bring about a lot of suffering. They will be martyrs of a sort, but then inside of them there will be resentment, there will be repressed anger. Often they will become a little bit larger. They will have a tendency to easily put on weight and might not be able to access that anger at all. In relationship, they might resent the other person for making them suffer, making them do things that they don't really want to, but in a sense, this is the best way, the only way they know to be close to someone. Or it might be a lot more subtle, and they might describe value to the suffering and to sacrifice, saying that that is where love lies. How do I know that I love? Well, if I would sacrifice myself, my joy, my whatever it is for it, well then I know that I love it. 
That's how I know that I love, through the suffering, through the sacrifice. <laughs> These are just some ideas around what guilt and manipulation can do to us when we are exposed to it at a particular age. Of course, nobody really intends it. It just happens to be the best way our parents or whoever we had around us had to interact with us. So there is no blame, in a sense. But this is something that can slightly start to illustrate how this judgmental way of being actually can induce trauma, especially in children, and how it otherwise is a violent way of being that takes away a lot of our joy, can bring about a lot of suffering, and is not our natural way of being. It is a learned behavior. And we can usually recognize whenever we are exposed to this kind of violence that comes from judgment. Often we will find it inside of us. If we don't pay attention to it, we will not know about it because it will feel normal. But if we start paying attention, we will notice that there is a kind of rigidity, a kind of tensing up that happens, a kind of feeling bad inside whenever we are exposed to these things. We're not comfortable. And then very quickly we will have programs, all kinds of programs, stepping in and taking control, taking over, maybe explaining, well, this should be done, that should be done, judgments coming in. But whenever we find something that is heart-opening, something that is expansive, something that is creative, well then we know that we are acting more according to our nature. And it's important to also notice the difference and pay attention to it over time so that we don't fall into the trap of immediate satisfaction of addictions of different sorts so that we can find the difference and understand the difference. Know what this expansiveness is like as opposed to a momentary euphoria or a momentary satisfying experience and then a crash or then a negative consequence that leaves us worse off than we were, which is what addiction leads to. By paying attention to how we feel, paying attention to tension inside of us, we have the guidance system. And of course, the more time we spend trying to relax as much as we can physically and mentally, 
the more sensitive we will be and the more easily we will notice these things. We do have that guidance system inside of us that shows us the way to our natural, essential being. Hopefully, we will be able to find ways of finding that so that we may also collaborate and then participate in creating a beautiful world. That was it for today. I might talk to you in another podcast episode. Take care. Mm-hmm.